Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. excited. We've been in a series called Jonah. Everybody say Jonah. And uh, if you're not familiar with Jonah, or maybe if today is your first time visiting with us uh, at Rethink Life Church, not only do I want to say thank you for coming, we're honored that you're here, but also want to encourage everybody who may have maybe been in and out due to schedules, uh, you can go back to our YouTube channel or listen to our Rethink Life podcast and uh, for those of you who don't know that we have a podcast, so all of our messages are on YouTube as well as on our podcast on all different platforms. And so it's a great way for you to catch up if you missed a week or two. But we're in week three. We're doing really a chapter by chapter, four specific chapters in the book of Jonah. And uh, today we're talking about chapter three. We're looking at an amazing story. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the story of Jonah... Jonah was a prophet of God, and uh, he was given a tremendous assignment, but also Jonah, because of what he decided not to do, he found himself running from God. And uh, I'm sure like me, I'm sure like many of you, we've all been guilty of running from the Lord, or maybe avoiding God, maybe we have found ourselves at different times, or maybe seasons or stages in our life where we just kind of took the ball by, uh, you know, took the, um, took the bull by the horn, so to speak, uh, as they say in Texas. And uh, what, they, what sometimes that means is, is that, hey, we're just going to do things our way. You know, I'm going to do what, what I want to do. And that's kind of the way Jonah, on many levels, decided that he was going to do what he wanted to do rather than obeying God. And we find in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And here's where, here, here was his instructions. He said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for a place called Tarshish. Now, what we learned in week one is that God is a speaking God. God either speaks to us directly, sometimes he will also speak to us indirectly. In other words, God speaks to us directly through his word, the Bible. So, so important that we spend time daily with God so that we can hear his voice, so we can hear what it is that God is saying to us, what he wants to teach us, what he wants us to know, understand, what he wants us to learn, most importantly, about himself, his plan, and his purpose for our lives. God's word is his revelation to you and me. So God speaks to us directly through his word, but also God chooses to use situations or circumstances to speak to us. He speaks through people. And so often what happens is that we even fail to realize that because for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, for those of us who are born-again believers, well, guess what? We have the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us. And so because of the promptings, because of the leading, because of the impressions that God places upon our heart, we have a speaking God. He's speaking to us all the time. The big question is, are we listening? 
And more importantly, are we obeying the voice of God when he is speaking to our lives? And so in Jonah's case, Jonah was given a very specific assignment. He was told by God, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh, and I want you to preach to them because of their wickedness. And as a result, Jonah decided, thanks but no thanks, I'm going to go do what I feel is best from my perspective. Now, to give Jonah a break, uh, maybe to empathize, sympathize with him a little bit, because we're all guilty of doing what Jonah did. But Jonah, in many ways, rationalized and justified his disobedience as far as running from God and disobeying God because of the assignment that God gave him. And the assignment was, was to go to this city known as Nineveh, which was a very wicked, despicable group of people. They were in many ways inhumane. They had a reputation for the way that they treated people. And specifically, the way they treated their enemies when they conquered various cities, their territories. These people did some very vile, wicked, inhumane, despicable things. And so therefore, they were Israel's worst nightmare. The whole world, in many respects, feared the Ninevites. And so because of this, Jonah said, God, I don't think so. I'm not your guy. And as a result, we know the story, Jonah decided to buy a ticket. He, he got on a, a ship, like a large cargo ship, and he literally went the opposite direction. Some, some scholars, historians believe it's approximately about 2,000 to 2,500 miles of literally the opposite direction from where God was asking him to go. And so here he is, he set sail going to this place known as Tarshish, the opposite direction. He's going west. God said, I want you to go east. And so here he is rebelling against God. And so as a result of his rebellion, because of his disobedience, God decided to get Jonah's attention. So what did he do? He sent a storm. And so the, the sailors are freaking out as a result. And, and Jonah is down below. He's asleep. The captain comes, wakes him up. And, you know, they're trying to figure out who caused this storm. And, and so Jonah was the guilty party. He finally owned up to it. After they cast some lots and you know, they drew his name, so to speak, and he said, hey, it's on me. This is my problem. I'm the guy. I'm the one who caused this great storm. And so after them showing Jonah a little bit of sympathy and grace, trying to basically save their own lives and save his life, they tried to get back to shore, but it was impossible. The, the storm was too great. And so Jonah finally convinced them to throw him overboard. And he said, guys, if you just toss me into the sea, the storm will cease and you will live. And so these guys did what Jonah had asked and they literally threw him overboard. And as he is thrown overboard, of course, the storm subsides. But God sent a giant fish to swallow Jonah up. And you can only imagine, can you, can you put yourself in this situation? I mean, think about this. Jonah literally gets swallowed up by a giant fish and remains in the belly of this fish for three days and for three nights. And here's what's interesting. As we learned last week in chapter 2, during this period of three days and three nights, hanging out the belly of a fish, now that God had Jonah's undivided attention, Jonah begins to realize the error of his way. He begins to realize his disobedience, and he begins to repent. It was a, an incredible picture of his brokenness, his humility, 
and he honors the Lord and he basically says, God, I will make good. Whatever I vowed, I will make good. I will do what you have asked me to do. And so we pick up the story here in Jonah chapter 3 in verse 1. And I love this. This is an incredible, incredible word of promise to all of us. In Jonah 3 verse 1 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say second time. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, this is your lucky day. Turn to the other person and say, God's given you a second chance. Aren't you thankful today that even though we don't deserve it, aren't you thankful that God is a good God? He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a God whose mercies are fresh each and every day that we serve a God who is a God of second chances. And so today, there are three specific things that I want us to learn here in Jonah chapter 3 that I think we can all relate to and we all desperately need. And most importantly, the reminder, the first thing is this, and that is the fact that God is a second, he is a God of second chances. He truly is. And one of the things that is so amazing is that we sometimes are people who are guilty of receiving a second chance from God. But when it comes to giving other people a second chance in our life, it's kind of like, no way. I'm not going to forgive so-and-so. Do you know what so-and-so said about me? Do you know what so-and-so did to me? You know, it's easy to find you know, wrong in someone else. It's easy to feel like someone has betrayed us. Maybe someone has abused us. Maybe someone has rejected us. Someone has hurt us greatly. And so it's easy to receive God's forgiveness and God's grace to receive a second chance from God. But why is it when it comes to showing mercy and extending grace and showing forgiveness to other people in our lives or people from our past, it's a lot harder, right? We can't be fully right with God and be wrong with other people. So we got to make sure that we get things right, that we right whatever wrongs in our relationships or in our past so that we can make wrongs right between us and God. But we need to understand today that we serve a God who is a God of second chances, and that's exactly what he did. The word of the Lord, God spoke to Jonah for a second time. God will speak to you a second time. He'll speak to you until he gets your undivided attention. Why? Because he's a loving God. He's a God of second chances. i never forget when uh, I had the opportunity to enroll uh, into college right after I graduated from high school. Graduated in May and I started immediately in the summer in June, I enrolled in the fall, excuse me, in the summer uh, semester of the summer session at Baylor University. And so I was going to Baylor University to play tennis. And uh, because I was uh, not uh, Albert Einstein or, you know, did not set any academic records in my high school, uh, I had to come through what they refer to as academic probation. Anybody relate? You don't have to show your hand. So anyway, I uh, 
was told, I was warned up front, that there are a few classes where they try to weed you out. In other words, they kind of separate the wannabes from the people who are really smart. And usually they will take classes like freshman English to give you that grand introduction. So I enrolled in freshman English. I'll never forget as long as I live, getting my first assignment. And this is 1984, okay? So back in the day, we didn't have the latest Mac computers, you know, and voice activation and all this kind of cool technology. Man, I had to go old school. I got a yellow pad and I got a pen and I wrote, hand wrote this unbelievable, I mean the most expert, I mean like the most thorough analysis, I mean the language, I, I looked up every th thesaurus, I mean dictionary, I mean, I mean I went all out for this first paper, I'll never forget, turned it in, I just was so confident that I was like acing my first paper. A few days later, we get our papers back. The uh, professor went down the rows, gave everybody a paper, gave them their papers back, and I get mine. He folded them, opened it up, and I kid you not, I had black ink on a piece of paper, and there was more red ink in all of the margins of the paper than there was black ink. So red ink with a giant F that had circled. In fact, he, he put so much pressure in the circle around the F that it actually kind of like tore a piece of the paper. There's a hole through it. And I was completely dumbfounded. I couldn't believe it. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I was in shock. I was in disbelief. And literally, kid you not, I went into a funk for about three days. Man, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was distraught. I mean, it literally was, from my perspective, it was a, it was a masterpiece. I mean, I thought they were going to like frame it, you know, put it in the halls of Baylor University for people to see, you know, and that's the standard everybody needs to live up to. And man, i never forget one day after class was dismissed, this is about a week goes by, and um, as we were exiting the classroom, the professor, he slipped me a piece of paper. And so as I'm walking out, kind of looked, looked at the piece of paper, and here's what it said. It said, Rodney, come see me. I'm thinking, oh, great. They're kicking me out. My tennis career is over. My academic career is over. And so I actually went and sat down with him in his office. And never forget, I sat down. I was sweating bullets. Had no idea what in the world he was going to say to me. And here's what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, I know you're new. This is your first experience here at Baylor. He said, but I need you to know something. He said, there's more in you. He said, you're capable of doing better. And he said, I'm giving you a second chance. He said, I want you to redo the paper and I want you to bring it back to me. Well, man, 
you talk about a weight that was lifted off of my shoulders. But I was still scared to death because I had no idea whether or not I was going to be able to top what I thought was going to be like an unbelievable milestone paper that had been turned in. And sure enough, second go around and he gave me a C minus. Come on, somebody, praise God. Aren't you thankful for C minuses? Unbelievable. But you know what? I've always wanted to go back to that professor because that was a turning point in my life. Because he saw something in me and he believed in me. And most importantly, he extended grace. He showed me a second chance. I've always wanted to go back and to say, hey, you know that conversation that we had. Well, guess what? I'm the author of over eight books that have sold over 40,000 copies. And uh, we have over 150,000 people around the world that have read our devotionals through the YouVersion Bible app. And who would have ever thought that I would be the guy who got the F, but God's second chance gave me the opportunity to impact people's lives through the writings that God has given to me. And as a result of that, man, who knows how many people have been led to faith in Christ because of that. So I just want to say to all of you here today that we serve a God who is a God of second chances. Aren't you thankful that, listen, that failure is never final? Aren't you thankful that our future is not defined by our past? And we serve a God who loves us, who believes in us, who looks at us, not as we are, but as somebody that we can become through Jesus Christ. We can become everything that God has created and destined us to be. We serve a God who is a God of second chances. And so today we need to understand that. We need to embrace that. But here's the most important thing. We need to understand that there are some of you here today, maybe you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus, but you know what? You're not where you could be. You're not where you should be. Maybe you have drifted spiritually in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you have backslidden in your walk with God, but you need to understand we serve a God who's also a speaking God. And maybe today God is is speaking to you and he's offering you a second chance. He wants to turn your, your backslidden state into a breakthrough opportunity in your life. Today, you need to hear his voice. And as believers, we need to go back to our first love. We need to re, re, repent and we need to give our hearts, our all in devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe a friend invited you to be a part of this service, but I need you to understand today that we have a speaking God and maybe God has used situations or circumstances. Maybe, maybe you've seen other people, maybe that God has used to get your attention because of the way they live, in a, not in a bad way, but maybe in a good way. And there's something in them that has drawn you to them. Maybe it's a, there's just a beauty, there's a light, there is, a, there is something distinctively different about the way they live their life. And you may not know how to articulate it, you may not know how to explain it or put Put your finger on it, but maybe it's all of those things that God is using to saying, put your trust and your faith in me. I'm giving you a second chance to have a relationship with me. So whatever you may be facing in your life, whatever it is that you're going through, maybe what God is trying to help you to understand that he's getting your attention and he's trying to extend grace and he wants you to know and he wants you to understand that he is a God who's a God of second chances. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 2, it says this. 
Here's what God specifically said to Jonah. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, proclaim it to, proclaim this message that I give you. Now, here's what's interesting. I want everybody to say the word go in a count of three. One, two, three, go. In the Hebrew language, here was the emphasis placed on the word go. It means go now, go urgently, go immediately. Why was that so important? As God was giving grace to Jonah and telling him, hey, I want you to go back. He's giving him a second chance. He's speaking to Jonah. And so he's giving him this opportunity to go back to Nineveh. And he said, I want you to go urgently. I want you to go now. I want you to go quickly. Why was the sense of urgency there? Let me tell you the reason why. Because just like you and me, we can have the best of intentions, right? We can want to make good on things. We, we want to say yes to God. We want to obey God. But what happens? Life happens, right? We, we end up getting distracted. And sometimes what happens is, is we talk ourselves out of listening or obeying or responding or quickly obeying the voice of God. Sometimes we allow the devil to talk us out. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile, right? I mean, all he needs is just a foothold. All he needs is a window of opportunity to convince you otherwise that the last thing you need to do is to do what God is telling you to do. Man, your life is going to be miserable. Hey, you can't afford to tithe. Hey, you can't, listen, if you invite somebody to church, they're going to think you're crazy. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. What do you mean God is asking you to do this? We begin to rationalize. We begin to justify but here's here's the deal when God says go just like a parent says hey go clean up your room well guess what delayed obedience is still disobedience right and sometimes we as parents we try to you know turn up the heat you know how we turn up the heat go clean up your room don't make me ask you again are you gonna make me ask you again okay I'm going to count to three. One, two. Don't make me count to three now. Two and a half. Here's your last chance. That's the way we parent, right? It's the way a lot of parents parent. Well, the kids are like, yeah, right. Go ahead, count to three. But here's the deal. God gave Jonah a second chance. And this time, God didn't want Jonah messing around. He said, I want you to go now. I want you to go immediately. I want you to go urgently. And as a result, he said, I want you to go and do the very thing that you don't want to do. That doesn't make sense to you. And the reason why it didn't make sense to Jonah is because of the reason I stated at the very beginning. Because from Jonah's perspective, his attitude was, those people didn't deserve the grace of God. They didn't deserve the message from the Lord because of who they were and the way they lived and the reputation that they had. He said, those are the last people on the planet who need the grace of God on their life. And yet God had different plans. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to preach and proclaim the message that I'm giving you. Which leads me to the second thing. And that is obedience always opens the door to opportunities. So in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, it says these words. So Jonah obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. Now I want to pause here for just a moment. 
give you a little perspective about something. In that phrase, Nineveh was a very large city, approximately about 175,000 people in the population. Most historians believe that somewhere, especially in the, in, the, in the entire administrative district of Nineveh, it was probably roughly somewhere between 30 to 60 miles across from one point to the other. And in verse 4, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey. Now, in Hebrew, here's what's interesting. When it says, and Jonah began, that simply means that before he began, he had to let go of something. That simply means, the phrase in Hebrew actually means to let loose or to untie. So therefore, Jonah had to let loose or untie some things that had him bound up. Most likely in his case, it was probably an issue of pride. But for many of us, Maybe it's a relationship we need to let go of. Maybe for some of us, there's some hurts or some habits or some hang-ups that we need to let loose. We need to let go of. We need to untie. In other words, if we're going to truly experience the opportunities and the blessings that follow obedience, we got to be willing to give up some things in order to embrace whatever it is that God has next for us. In other words, you can't just keep bringing the old stuff into the new seasons that God is calling us into. In other words, we can't put new wine into old wine skins. No, we got to let go. We got to let loose of some stuff that maybe the enemy has used to get us off track, to derail our spiritual life, to maybe cause us to drift. We have to let go of some things that the enemy is using to sabotage our lives. If anything, is causing us to remain in a state of bondage rather than to live in complete victory and freedom that comes through obedience. It's amazing how often we will say no to the things of God because we don't want to give up our freedom. And yet the very thing that we don't that we don't want to give up, that we think is giving us freedom to do what we want to do, are the very things the devil uses in our lives to only incarcerate us, bound us up, and cause us to miss out on freedom because of the bondage that we end up placing ourselves into because of what we thought was going to be freedom. And yet it's just the opposite in God's economy. What did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the only way we can walk in freedom is to let go of the stuff that has held us in bondage and embrace the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in truth and to live in truth so we can experience the true freedom that comes with that. And that's a a lifestyle of obedience. It's listening to the voice of God, but more importantly, it is obeying the word of the Lord. So Jonah began by going into a day's journey into the city proclaiming, and this is awesome, eight specific words, five words in Hebrew. Here was his message. It was short, it was to the point, and it was offensive. That's the way most preachers should preach, right? Short, to the point, offensive, eight words. 
I can't promise you today's message, obviously, I've gone way over eight words. And I don't know if it's to the point or even if it's offensive. But I can only imagine what Jonah was processing. So here he is. He's going through the most wicked place on the planet. And he's probably thinking, what am I going to say to these people? I mean, these people are going to kill me. Okay, God, I'm obeying. I've heard you loud and clear. (laughs) It took three days, three nights in the belly of a fish for you to get my complete undivided focused attention. You got it. You spit me out on dry land. Here I am. I'm in the middle of darkness here. I'm talking sin city all around me. He's walking through the city in his mind as a prophet. He's probably thinking, I need to pull out one of Joel Osteen's sermons. I mean, I, I, I need to give him four keys to happiness and, you know, hey, your best life now. And maybe, maybe they'll show me a little grace and they'll show me a little mercy here. And, but no, he gave them eight words. And here were the words. <laughs> Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, he's probably ducking after he says that. He's probably thinking, man, these people are going to kill me. And what's crazy is that that word overthrown, listen to this, is so important. Eight words. The word overthrown actually has a double meaning to it. It could mean overthrown and destroyed, or it could mean overthrown and changed. And so that was the ultimatum. And that was the word that God wanted to say to the people of Nineveh through Jonah, those eight words. And he wanted them to know that, listen, you got 40 days to get your act together. You got 40 days because the clock is ticking on my grace, on my mercy. And so here they are listening to the message of Jonah and they've got to make the decision, are we going to be destroyed forever Or are we going to be changed forever? And what's awesome is that we see something very, very powerful take place. They responded in a way that was completely opposite of what Jonah was thinking. He thought not only was he going to be killed and taken out because of what he warned them with, but to his amazement... The power of God showed up. I was uh, sent a text this week from a friend of mine who has been going through a really, really difficult time. She's been trying to reach out to some neighbors to come to our church for quite a while. And her neighbor has been seeing everything that's been going on in her life and has been amazed at her testimony and her faithfulness. And her neighbor friend sent her a text, and so my friend took a screenshot of it, texted it to me, and she said, I have witnessed a miracle, and everything that I've questioned about God, I'm now beginning to see that he is for real. I'm going to be coming to your church soon. Aren't you thankful that God never wastes a hurt? He never 
waste situations or circumstances that we encounter in our life? Aren't you thankful that failure is never final? Aren't you thankful that we serve a God of second chances? Aren't you thankful that God's faithfulness is something that he uses in and through our lives to give glory to him, to be a witness and to be a testimony, to be a bright, shining light to a world that's living in darkness. And when, when they see it and when they get it and they connect those dots and they realize that, hey, what you got is what I need. It's amazing how those people begin to gravitate toward God. And I just believe that's why it's so important that we understand that God is a speaking God. But the third thing that we got to realize is this, that revival always starts with repentance. It always starts with repentance. So here, notice in Jonah 3, verses 5 through 10, it says the Ninevites, notice, believe God. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed the message of God that God spoke through Jonah. That's powerful. So they weren't just listening to Jonah. They were listening to the voice of God through Jonah. And the Bible says, and they believed God. And so notice, a fast was proclaimed. Now, anytime there was a fast issued or proclaimed, what that was basically communicating is that, hey, we need to humble ourselves. We, we need to rethink everything about our lives and humble ourselves, and we need to come under God's mighty hand. And so they fast, the fast was proclaimed, and all of them, the scripture says, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, which is a spirit of humility and brokenness and repentance. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks. I mean, everybody's getting right with God. <laughs> and so don't let them taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth, with brokenness, humility. Let everyone call urgently on God and let and, and, and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And he said, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. That word overthrown. You're either going to be forever destroyed or you're going to be forever changed. And here was the most vile, wicked, despicable city on the entire planet. And what did they do? They repented. They heard the, the voice, voice of God. And as a result, not only were they overthrown, but they were overthrown and they were changed for the greater good. God did a miracle in the most wicked city in the world. And I believe today that maybe what it is that we need to respond to is in it, we just need to respond to the voice of God. And we need to listen because God's voice in our life is a choice. It's a choice. And I want to conclude my message today by showing you a video that I think just puts the exclamation point on everything that we've heard, that we've listened to through this story of Jonah. 
when it comes to listening and responding to the voice of God. Listen to this video and let's watch. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. 
finally he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. A knock at my door. I open the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through.
tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. Would you join me in a word of prayer today? I just believe that God has been speaking to some of us. And for some, it's been a long time. He's tried countless times to get your attention. And you know, it's hard sometimes to discern maybe God's voice from all the other voices. maybe we've listened to in the past people's opinions perspectives advice, counsel threats, accusations whatever but you know there is a voice that just speaks different than others and it's God's voice and maybe today Maybe you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. And maybe like Jonah, you have disobeyed, you heard God, you've obeyed God in the past, but recently maybe you've decided to take matters in your own hands to live the way you wanna live, or maybe you just have allowed the culture and situations and circumstances to cause you to drift. Maybe you've allowed hurt, disappointment. Whatever the situation or circumstances might be, that maybe you're not where you could be, not where you should be. And today God is speaking. His voice is loud and clear and he's saying, come home. Come back to me. I'm giving you a second chance. Come back where you belong. My good, my pleasing, my perfect will is waiting for you. And I want to give you a moment. If that's your situation, your circumstances, if that's you as a believer today, and maybe you just need to recommit your heart, you need to return to your first love. You need to make some wrongs right between you and the Lord. Remember, God's mercies are fresh and new each and every day. And He's just... He's right where he's always been. He's waiting for you to come back home. Others of you here today, and maybe you're watching online, and maybe God is speaking to you in a different kind of way, and you've heard the truth. You've been confronted with it. You've been exposed to opportunities. You've been in situations and been around people where you know, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know that you need to surrender Put your faith and put your trust in Jesus Christ who died for you, who came back to life for you. And more than anything, wants to have a relationship with you. You know that's what you need. And do you have to have all the answers before you take that step? No, I didn't, still don't have all the answers. It's a faith journey. It's a relationship. You don't have to go and try to figure things out or try to clean up 
your act before you come to God. No, you come as you are, right where you are. You lay it at the altar today. And if that's your need, would you be willing to pray once and for all and, and make Jesus the Lord of your life? You can invite him into your heart today. Listen to his voice. That still small voice is God saying, open the door. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. You can pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you arose again. And by faith, I'm putting my trust in you to forgive me, to save me, and to change my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. If you prayed that prayer just then, would you let me know? Would you do something very bold and courageous? Would you be willing just to hold your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I just invited Christ in my life. Any others? God bless you. Online, any others? Father, we thank you for these that have lifted their hands. Maybe for those that prayed that prayer, they're maybe at home or wherever they are. Lord, you're a speaking God. You're speaking now. Lord, I pray that today that we will not just hear your voice, but we will obey your voice. And God, I pray that today that we'll leave different. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the second chances that you've extended to us. God, even though we don't deserve it, God, thank you that you love us anyway. And I pray that today that we'll be motivated to fall in love with you, to commit our lives to you, to be fully devoted to you. When you speak, Lord, we will say yes. No matter what it is, even though it may not make sense, even though we may not understand it, we don't want to do it. But God, help us today to be obedient, to be faithful followers of yours, to listen and obey. Father, we thank you for what you've done, all that you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise and let's uh, thank him for speaking to our hearts today. Well, I just want to say, man, wasn't that a powerful video? You know, I saw that and friend actually sent that to me and I normally don't show videos like that and I thought wow this God used it to speak to me and I know that many of us are processing a lot we hear so many voices but there's only one voice that we need to listen to amen it's the voice of God and so let me encourage you today if you prayed and you you uh, prayed that prayer with me you raised your hand maybe you watching online you prayed that prayer would you do me a huge favor there is a uh, connect card that you were introduced to at the beginning of the service looks just like this and you can fill this out, complete this. And if you pray that prayer with us in the room, here's what we wanna ask you to do. We wanna ask you to take this. You can do one of two things. You can drop in the offering container here in just a second, or you can take it to what we call our next steps table. 
And there at the table, we have these little booklets that we would love to give to you. Um, it helps answer some questions you have. It kind of walks you through some next steps in your spiritual journey. There's a 30-day reading plan in the back uh, that takes you through the life of Jesus. So it's a great little tool. We want to put that into your hands. We also have complimentary Bibles. If you uh, need a Bible, we'd love to give one to you. We have them in English as well as in Spanish. So you can stop by the next steps table on your way out, or you can drop that in the offering container. But let us know that you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer online, you can just put in the chat, I decided, or if you're um, uh, watching on any other platform, just, just use the words, I decided, okay? And text that to the number 97,000 as well, and uh, we'll shoot you a digital version of that. Well, listen, we have some amazing things. Don't forget next Sunday, Daylight Savings. Don't forget next Sunday, Men's Night Out. Don't forget next Sunday is also what we call our welcome party. It's a great first next step for people new to our church, new to the community. We'd love to say welcome home to you. So join us next week immediately after we're dismissed. And, uh, and don't forget tonight, Treat Street. It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, we're uh, anticipating and preparing for uh, approximately 1,000 people to come through. We have over 30 cars that are, are going to be represented tonight. And so it's going to be a great time from 5 to 7. What a wonderful opportunity to reach out to some neighbors and friends and load them up and bring them to Treat Street. Well, today we're going to pray over our offering before dismissed. And, and uh, this is one of those tests. Malachi 3. God's, this is the only place in all the Bible where God says, test me in this. Let me prove it to you. This whole issue of tithing, this whole issue of giving, this whole issue of bringing, returning the tithe to the Lord. This is where we really have the opportunity to say yes to the voice or I'm listening, but I'm going to do it my way. I just want to encourage you. Let God show you. Let God prove to you. Let God demonstrate to you that he is who he says he is. And he will do what he promises he will do. God always blesses and rewards obedience. Amen? So let's be faithful in this way. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to get to serve you, to worship you, to be able to honor you and this time as we've come into your presence today. And I pray that as we give, Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified, you'd be pleased. Lord, I pray that this would be a true act of our worship today, of giving you our first, giving you our best. And Lord, I pray as we trust you for the rest, that you'll show yourself strong and powerful. Lord, that we'll see you at work where we will only be able to say, only God could have done that. That was God. So Lord, today as we walk by faith and not by sight, we pray that you will bless our obedience as we walk faithfully in your good and pleasing and perfect will. We pray this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's worship today as we sing.